Chapter Twenty Four of Legacy by James H. Schmitz. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Legacy, Chapter Twenty Four. Quillen took over the ship controls, and the commissioner and Trigger went with the recorder into the little office back of the transmitter cabinet to slam out some fast reports to the hub and other points. Lyad was apologizing profoundly to Mantellish as they left the lounge. The professor was huffing back at her, rather mildly. A little while later, Lyad, showing indications of restrained surprise, was helping Trigger prepare dinner. They took it into the lounge. Quillen remained at the controls while the others started eating. Trigger fixed up a tray and brought it to him. "'Thanks for the rescue, Major,' she said. He grinned up at her. It was a pleasure." Trigger glanced back at the little group in the lounge. "'Think she was fibbing a bit?' "'Sure. Mainly, she decided in advance how much to tell and how much not. She thinks fast in action, though. No slips. What she told of what she knows makes a solid story, and with angles we can check on fast. So it's bound to have plenty of information in it. It'll do for the moment. She's already started buttering up Mantellish, said Trigger. She'll do that, Quillen said. By the time we reach Luscious, the prof probably might as well be back in the trances. The commissioner intends to give her a little rope, I think. How close is Luscious to that area she showed? Quillen flicked on their course screen and superimposed the map Lyad had marked. Red dots well inside, he pointed out. That bit was probably quite solid info." He looked up at her. "'Did it bother you much to hear the De Vegas have dropped the grab idea and are out to do you in?' Trigger shook her head. "'Not really,' she said. "'Wouldn't make much difference one way or the other, would it?' "'Very little.' He patted her hand. "'Well, they're not going to get you, doll, one way or the other.' Trigger smiled. "'I believe you.' she said. Thanks." She looked back into the lounge again. Just at present she did have a feeling of relaxed, unconcerned security. It probably wasn't going to last, though. She glanced at Quillen. "'Those computers of yours,' she said. What did they have to say about that not-catassin you squashed?' "'The crazy things claim now it was a plasmoid,' Quillen said. Revolting notion but it makes some sense for once. Checks with some of the things Lyad told us, too. Do you remember that Vethi sponge Balmordan was carrying? Yes. It didn't come off the ship with him. He checked it out as having died en route. That is a revolting notion, Trigger said after a moment. Well, at least we've got detectors now. But the feeling of security had faded somewhat again. Before dinner was half over, the long-range transmitters abruptly came to life. For the next thirty minutes or so, messages rattled in incessantly, as assorted headquarters here and there reacted to the Emmertine's report. The commissioner sat in the little office and sorted over the incoming information. Trigger stayed at the transmitters, feeding it to him as it arrived. None of it affected them directly. They were already headed for the point in space a great many other people would now start heading for very soon. Then business dropped off again almost as suddenly as it had picked up. 
a half-dozen low-priority items straggled in, in as many minutes. The transmitters purred idly. Then the person-to-person -person buzzer sounded. Trigger punched the screen button. A voice pronounced the ship's dial number. Acknowledging, Trigger said, who is it? Oredo Comweb Center, said the voice. Stand by for contact with Federation Councilman Roadgear. Trigger whacked the panic button. Roadgear was a name. Standing by, she said. Commissioner Tate came in through the door and slipped into the chair she'd already vacated. Trigger took another seat a few feet away. She felt a little nervous, but she'd always wanted to see a high-powered diplomat in action. The screen lit up. She recognized Roadgear from his pics. Tall, fine-looking man of the silvered sideburns type. He was in an armchair in a very plush office. "'Congratulations, Commissioner,' he said, smiling. I believe you're aware by now that your latest report has set many wheels spinning rapidly." "'I rather expected it would,' the Commissioner admitted. He also smiled. They pitched it back and forth a few times, very chummy. Roadgear didn't appear to be involved in any specific way with the operations which soon would center about Luscious. Trigger began to wonder what he was after. "'A few of us are rather curious to know,' Roadgear said, why you didn't acknowledge the last council order sent you?" Trigger didn't quite start nervously. "'When was this?' asked the Commissioner. Roadgear smiled softly and told him. "'Got a record here of some scrambled item that arrived about then,' the Commissioner said. "'Very good of you to call me about it, Councilman. What was the order content?' "'It's dated now as it happens,' Roadgear said. Actually, I'm calling about another matter. The First Lady of Trinest appears to have been very obliging about informing you of some of her recent activities." The Commissioner nodded. Yes, very obliging. And in so short a time after her, ah, uh, detainment, you must have been very persuasive. Well, Holati Tate said, no more than usually. Yes said Councilman Roadgear. Now, there's been some slight concern expressed by some members of the Council. Well, let's say they'd just like to be reassured that the amenities one observes in dealing with a head of state actually are being observed in this case. I'm sure they are, of course." The Commissioner was silent a moment. "'I was informed a while ago,' he said that full responsibility for this head of state has been assigned to my group. Is that correct?" The councilman reddened very slightly. "'Quite,' he said. "'The official council order should reach you in a day or so.' "'Well, then,' said the commissioner, "'I'll assure you, and you can assure the councilman, who are feeling concerned that the amenities are being observed. Then everybody can relax again. Is that all right?' No, not quite," Roadgear said annoyedly. In fact, the Councilman would very much prefer it, Commissioner, if I were given an opportunity to speak to the First Lady directly to reassure myself on the point. Well, Commissioner Tate said, she can't come to the transmitters right now. She's washing the dishes. The Councilman reddened very considerably this time. He stared at the Commissioner a moment longer. Then he said in a very soft voice, 
Oh, the hell with it. He added, Good luck, Commissioner. You're going to need it sometime. The screen went blank. The scouts of Sealand's independent fleet, who had first looked this planet over and decided to call it Luscious, had selected a name, Trigger thought, which probably would stick. Because that was what it was, at least in the area where they were camping. She rolled over from her side to her face and gave herself a push away from the rock she'd been regarding contemplatively for the past few minutes. Feet first, she went drifting out into a somewhat deeper section of Plasmoid Creek. None of it was very deep. There were pools here and there, in the stretch of the creek she usually came to, where she could stand on her toes in the warm clear water, and, arms stretched straight up, barely tickle the surface with her fingertips. But along most of the stretch the bigger rocks weren't even submerged. She came sliding over the sand to another rock, turned on her back and leaned up against the rock, blinking at sun reflections along the water. Camp was a couple of hundred yards down the valley, its sounds cut off by a rise of the ground. The Commissioner's ship was there, plus a half-dozen tents, plus a sizable I-fleet unit with lab facilities which Sealand's outfit had loaned Mantellish for the duration. There were some fifteen, twenty people in all about the camp at the moment. They knew she was loafing around in the water up here and wouldn't disturb her. Strictly speaking, of course, she wasn't loafing. She was learning how to listen to herself think. She didn't feel she was getting the knack of it too quickly, but it was coming. The best way seemed to be to let go mentally as much as possible, to wait without impatience, really to more or less listen quietly within yourself, as if you were looking around in some strange forest, letting whatever wanted to come to view come and fade again, as something else rose to view instead. The main difficulty was with the business of relaxing mentally, which wasn't at all her natural method of approaching a problem. But when she could do it, information of a kind that was beginning to look very interesting was likely to come filtering into her awareness. Whatever was at work deep in her mind, and she could give a pretty fair guess at what it was now, seemed as weak and slow as the psychology service people had indicated. The traces of its work were usually faint and vague, but gradually the traces were forming into some very definite pictures. Lazing around in the waters of Plasmoid Creek for an hour or so every morning had turned out to be a helpful part of the process. On the flashing, all-out run to Luscious, subspace all the way, with the Commissioner and Quillen spelling each other around the clock at the controls, the transmitters clattering for attention every half-hour, the ship's housekeeping had to be handled, and somebody besides Mantellish needed to keep a moderately beady eye on the Ermatine. She hadn't even thought of acting on Pilch's suggestion. But once they landed, there suddenly wasn't much to keep her busy, and she could shift priority to listening to herself think. It was one of those interim periods where everything was being prepared and nothing got started. As a plasmoid planet, Luscious was pretty much of a bust. It was true that plasmoids were here. It was also true that until fairly recently plasmoids were being produced here. By the simple method of looking where they were thickest, Seedland's people even had located the plasmoid which had been producing the others, several days before Mantellish arrived to confirm their find. 
This one, by the plasmoid standards of Luscious, was a regular monster, some twenty-five inches high. A gray, mummy-like thing, dead and half-rotted inside. It was the first plasmoid, with the possible exception of whatever had flattened itself out on Quillen's gravity mine, known to have died. There had been very considerable excitement when it was first discovered, because the description made it sound very much as if they'd finally located 112-113. They hadn't. This one, if Trigger had followed Mantellus correctly, could be regarded as a cheap imitation of 112, and its productions, compared with the working plastic life of Harvest Moon, appeared to be strictly on a kindergarten level, nuts and bolts and less than that. To Trigger, most of the ones that had been collected looked like assorted bugs and worms, though one at least was the size of a small pig. "'No form, no pattern,' Mantellish rumbled. "'Was the thing practicing? Did it attempt to construct an assistant and set it down here to test it? Well, now—' He went off again to incomprehensibilities, apparently no longer entirely dissatisfied. "'Get me one twelve he bellowed. Then this business will be solved. Meanwhile, we now at least have plasmoid material to waste. We can experiment boldly. Come, Lyad, my dear." And Lyad followed him into the lab unit, where they went to work again, dissecting, burning, stimulating, inoculating, and so forth, great numbers of more or less pancake-sized subplasmoids. This morning, Trigger wasn't getting down to the best semi-drowsy level at all readily. And it might very well be that lyad my dear business. You know, she had told the Commissioner thoughtfully the day before, by the time we're done, lyad will know more about plasmoids than anyone in the hub except Mantellish. He didn't look concerned. Won't matter much. By the time we're done, she and the rest of the Ermitines will have had to cough up control of Trinest. They've broken treaty with this business." "'Oh,' Trigger said. "'Does Lyad know that?' "'Sure. She also knows she's getting off easy. If she were a Federation citizen, she'd be up for a compulsory rehabilitation right now.' "'She'll try something if she gets half a chance,' Trigger warned. "'Sure she will,' the Commissioner said absently. He went on with his work. It didn't seem to be Lyad that was bothering. Trigger lay flat on her back in the shallow sandbar, arms behind her head, feeling the sun's warmth on her closed eyelids. She watched her thoughts drifting by slowly. It just might be Quillen. Old Major Quillen, the rescuer in time of need, the not catassin smasher Quite a guy. The water murmured past her. On the right out here they'd run by one another now and then, going from job to job. After they'd arrived, Quillen was gone three-quarters of the time, helping out in the hunt for the concealed De Vegas fortress. It was still concealed, they hadn't yet picked up a trace. But every so often he made it back to camp, and every so often when he was back in camp and didn't think she was looking, he'd be sitting there looking at her. Trigger grinned happily. Old Major Quillen. Being bashful. Well, now. And that did it. She could feel herself relaxing, slipping down and away, drifting down through her mind, farther, deeper, 
toward the tiny voice that spoke in such a strange language and was still becoming daily more comprehensible. Ah, uh, say, Trigger! End of chapter 24